Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wild Card Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. Wednesday, May 26th. I'm your host, Jason Moser, and we've got a terrific interview to share with you on this week's Wildcard Wednesday show. Jonathan Webb is the founder and CEO of App Harvest, a company that combines conventional agricultural techniques with cutting-edge technology to address key issues, including improving access for all to nutritious food, farming more sustainably, building a homegrown food supply, and more. Recently, I had the opportunity to chat with Jonathan about the growing opportunity in the ag tech space, what makes App Harvest so unique, his vision of the future of farming, and much, much more. I hope you enjoy our conversation. I want to talk with you about in regard to App Harvest. I don't know that we're going to have enough time, but let's just start first and foremost. This has been, this is one of our most recent recommendations uh, in our service. I was really excited to be able to recommend it after all of the work I had done on the business, learning more about it, listening to you and your passion uh, regarding this company I think it would be beneficial for our members, for our listeners to hear it from your own words. As the founder, as the CEO of App Harvest, what is App Harvest to you? What are you trying to accomplish? App Harvest, we're we're based here in central Appalachia and we're building uh, some of the world's largest controlled environment agriculture facilities. Uh, we, We believe controlled environment agriculture is the third wave of sustainable infrastructure. Uh, 20 years ago was renewable energy. Uh, Ten years ago, Tesla made electric vehicles popular in the mainstream, uh, and right now it's controlled environment agriculture. We have to figure out how to grow a lot more food with a lot less resources, uh, and we can use that by utilizing technology and infrastructure uh, to grow a fruit and vegetable with 90% less water and get about 30 times yield per acre. Uh, so so we're, we're focused on bringing that production back from Mexico that, that's been shifted outside of the U.S., uh, and, and bring that back into the U.S. Uh, in a controlled environment. Uh, and then uh, I, I got to mention the area we're in. You know, Eastern yeah. Kentucky has been known for uh, coal mining for decades. It was known as you know the, the coal country, so to speak, and empowering the U.S. Uh, through the Industrial Revolution with low-cost coal. You know now we want to turn this region into an area of the country that's known for sustainable food production. Uh, but beyond just loving the place I'm, fr- I'm from, Kentucky, beyond just loving this area, we can get to three quarters of the U.S. in a day drive. So we're, we're, we're building these facilities here where we can access markets uh, and get to about three quarters of the U.S. in a day drive. It's, it's impressive to think about the scope of what you are taking on because agriculture, farming, I mean, that's been something for so long people just think, well, it's, it's just kind of what it's always been. And that's just we do it this way because that's the way we've always done it. And those are always kind of famous last words as we move into some sort of disruptive phase. And it feels like, to me at least, it feels like we are at the cusp of a disruptive phase here. And a lot of that is thanks to technology. And, and you mentioned something, we'll talk a little bit about your, your quarterly results here in a minute because I wanna get into that. But one of the things that stood out to me in the, the earnings call, uh, as I was listening, there was a quote, you said, we are farmers and futurists. And I thought well, that, that to me was in a nutshell what it's all about. Um, because our service is so focused on technology, 5G connectivity, and all of the different benefits we're going to get from that. I was hoping maybe we could talk a little bit about 
that that idea that you're farmers and futurists? I mean, what are the things, what what is the technology that you're looking toward to help you change this space? Well, the, the last great technological revolution in American farming is really when the, the tractor was introduced. And, and there's been nothing more impactful on farming uh, since that time. And, and now it's AI, robotics, and, and using data to make decisions. Uh, and, and by, so visualize our facility in Moorhead, Kentucky. It's, it's 2.8 million square feet, nearly 50 football fields under glass. Um, we're farmers, we're, we're growing fruits and vegetables, uh, and, and we're utilizing sunlight, we're utilizing rainwater. Uh, but the futurist piece is we've combined a technology team with, with a great plant science group that, you know, yes, we're opti- we're using nature for what it's good. So, for example, we use integrated pest management, good pests to kill bad pests. We, we use bees to pollinate our plants. We, we use completely recycled rainwater. But then there's the other side and, and introducing robotics uh, that's operating on AI that's collecting data in our facility and making data, data-driven decisions. And for young people, we, we've invested heavily in high school education uh, here in this region. And part of it is we're not just building facilities, you know, we're building an ecosystem. And we have to, we have to, part of that is change the narrative that, that farming is simply outdoors and on a tractor. We, we very much respect American farmers. We have a great respect for the four season farmer uh, that's putting food on our table. Uh, but we we have to get young people to think. It, you, so the average age of the American farmer is about 60 years old. And so for us, by investing in high schools, it's teaching young people you're operating uh, a farm with an iPhone and an iPad using industrial sensors with, with robotics operating on AI. And that's that's for us, again, there's you know, there's a piece where we need to be very close to the product and that's we're optimizing for the plant. Uh, but then it's pulling technology in uh, to drive nature from behind. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's it's so cool to think about what you guys are doing there. And I mean, I know that you're not the only one focused on controlled environment agriculture. I mean, I think we we we've seen some some other players in the space that are that are starting. This is still a very new space, though. It feels like this is something that really is just getting getting uh, you know some traction here. Um, I, I made the point. At, at one point, uh, with uh, with in regard to app harvest, you you came public a lot sooner than probably you would have had to, or probably than you would have had the opportunity to even ten years ago. I mean, the, the SPAC opportunity let you, I think, become a publicly traded company maybe maybe sooner than you really felt like you needed to. But I think there are a lot of benefits that come with that, even though you you entered at such a such a young stage of your business, right? You essentially were pre revenue coming into the public markets and now you're just getting that that started I, is there a, is there a benefit what do you, how do you feel about coming public a lot earlier than you probably would have normally well we 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 built the company from day 1 i was very fortunate uh, we were just talking earlier and you mentioned how you're in the dc area uh, it was fortunate that we had steve case the founder of AOL and and his fund rise of the rest he's his funds based in dc uh, we had them as early investors. Uh, and then Jeff Oban, uh, who's on our board uh, and has been an early investor. Uh, many of our early investors have been very helpful with the company. And, and we knew that, you know, we 
we're not just building one facility. We're, we're building an organization uh, that, that's going to go toe-to-toe with agriculture and food globally. Uh, and as part of that, in order to bring trust and transparency to agriculture, you, you have to be a public company. It, it, there's a level of rigor that comes with that. And so for us, the SPAC was just a vehicle. There, there's a lot of different ways to go public. Uh, and at the time, and we did it, and I, I think it was definitely the, the best decision for us at the time, uh, we could have raised capital privately on balance sheet uh, and kept building, but we elected, uh, you know what, let's force that rigor early. Uh, let's let the consumer of our product uh, also be the buyer in our company. And let's, let's, let's prove, uh, prove to the world what we're doing through results. And, and even that, you know, our first quarterly earnings call today, uh, there, there's a level of rigor that, that's required through the public markets. And, and we thought in order to build an organization that's going to be selling to the top grocers, we're selling to Kroger, you know, we're selling in fast food chains like Wendy's. If, if we're going to be, you know, working with, with the largest players in the world, then, then we need to be, uh, we need to be in the big leagues. And, and the only way to do that is, is to be a publicly traded company. And so, yes, earlier this year, we did uh, get listed on the NASDAQ. Um, and I, I've tried to say, you know, we, we have a team that, that looks at this as this is our 30 year journey here at App Harvest. We're, we're, we're in our first decade. Uh, and, and, you know, we're going to try to look at judging the company on decade one, decade two and decade three. Uh, the, the world's food and agriculture problems are not going to be solved overnight. Uh, they're not going to be solved in, in a month or a year or a quarter. Uh, and, and, you know, we just want to build an organization that, that's going to be able to go toe to toe with with the larger incumbents out there. And, and the best way to do that is is to, to, to have that rigor of, of being a publicly traded company. Yeah, well, I mean, speaking of publicly traded company, uh, you just you just released your first quarter results, and I think this was your first full quarter as a publicly traded company. Uh, I'm sure it was an exciting time. I uh, just wonder if you could share uh, some of the highlights, some of the things you're proud of in regard to this to this earnings release and and uh, your excitement here for the for the year to come. So to put this in perspective, this was our first facility under operations, uh, our flagship facility, um, and then by end of year in 2022, we'll have five facilities operating. So we're ramping up and scaling quickly, but in order to, to prove to our investors and prove to our shareholders and broader stakeholders, you know, for us, it's about meeting our targets. Uh, and I've tried to say, you know, App Harvest, we're in the business of delivering on our promises. Uh, we hit our Q1 guidance, uh, 2.3 million in revenue. Uh, we're ramping up this first facility uh, in the middle of a global pandemic. Uh, we had an ice storm. If people remember that ice storm back in February, uh, our facility uh, operated uh, at full, you know, ramping up into full capacity with no issues in the middle of a global pandemic in the middle of an ice storm. So, you know, for us this year, uh, it's less about the dollars and more about hitting our targets. Uh, and, and we were able to hit our, our Q1 guidance uh, and ramp up our facility uh, to later on this year by Q4, we'll be. Uh, fully at full capacity in Q3 and Q4, uh, selling tomatoes out of this facility in Moray, Kentucky. That's exciting. I tell you, we, we go through tomatoes uh, hand over fist here in my house alone, I'm sure. So I, I'm looking forward to being able to find more and more of those at Harvest products in our grocery stores as we uh, as we move forward. Um, and, and I have no doubt that we will. Uh, 
One of the things we like to discuss as investors, and when we when we find companies, we find businesses that we like that we want to be uh, owners of, and, and and I think you really keyed in on something important there: thirty year journey. I mean, that is right in line. You're speaking our language here, the fool. We we take that long term approach. We don't view things by quarter. We look at them over over the course of time, years, and hopefully decades. We can part. We can be a part of the, of that journey with you all. Um, what do you, but one of the things we like to talk about is competitive advantages. What, what makes companies special? And, and I feel like with that harvest, at least my takeaway, I found a lot of things that make you all special. But I wonder, is there something to your mind? What, what's that harvest's secret sauce? What's your competitive advantage or something you feel like differentiates you from your competition? Is there any one thing or is it a collection of many things? Well, I'll start by saying anyone that is growing good, clean produce without harsh chemical pesticides, uh, I try to call them my colleagues, not competitors. You know, the yeah, same yeah. way there won't be one energy company powering the world, there won't be one automotive company transporting the world, there's not going to be one food company feeding the world. But with that said, you know, what we have at App Harvest is fairly unique. One, uh, our geographic location. So uh, we can get to 70% of the U.S. in a one-day one drive. Uh, wow. We've had record amounts of rainfall. You look at California, uh, in the southwest of the U.S., uh, drying up, drought-stricken, plagued by wildfires, we, we've moved most of our fruit and vegetable production down to Mexico, and we're importing it and shipping it 2,000 miles. But the production we've left in the U.S. is being grown in areas that are running out of water. Uh, here, we've had three of our last uh, three years out of the last 10 years in Kentucky have been our wettest years on state record. We've had one of our wettest decades on state record. So we're building infrastructure in an area of the country uh, where we're having record amounts of rainfall. And if you look at the climate maps, we continue to get wetter. Why is that important? 95% uh, of a fruit and vegetable is water. So we're really in the business of packaging up water and then shipping that out to major markets. And then beyond that, execution at scale. You know, my background was a part of building some of the largest solar projects in the US. Uh, David Lee, who joined us from Impossible Foods, uh, joined Impossible Foods you know, five years ago as their CFO and COO, uh, raised them nearly uh, over a billion dollars in the last five years and, and turned them into what was a boutique idea into a, a, a mass market product on, on store shelves. Our team is built to scale. And, and you know, you look at where we're at today, we, we've launched our first facility. Uh, by the end of next year, we'll have five operating facilities. And then we have to remember, this isn't just a U.S. problem we're trying to solve for. We're going to be based in Central Appalachia. That's our headquarters. Uh, but if you look at the world, you know, China and India account for 40% of the world's population. They have 10% of the world's fresh water. The, the Middle East, uh, most countries in the Middle East import nearly all of their fruit and vegetables. We're laser focused on getting this right here. We're going to be headquartered in Central Appalachia, uh, execution at scale here in the U.S. Uh, but this is a global problem that we've gotten phone calls from around the world about how can and when uh, can we take our take our solution and, and go elsewhere. So, you know, we're head down here uh, and then I would start or I would end with what I started with. There's going to be a lot of companies hopefully working to solve our food and agriculture problems. Uh, we just want to be one of those. And, and we're cognizant that there's going to be plenty of large players. But if you look at the current food system today, 
Uh, it's high fructose corn syrup. It's sugary food uh, that, that has low nutrient density. You know, these food companies today are like the cigarette companies 40 years ago. Yeah. You know, regulators are pounding on them. Consumers are pounding on them. You know, I would not want to be uh, one of those large operators in food today when you see the consumer trends uh, changing as quickly as, as they are. Uh, and, and, and we feel you know, very optimistic again about where our growth trajectory is. We just got to keep our head down and execute and do our job uh, every day here at App Harvest. Yeah, I tell you, I, I, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I'm glad you keyed on the fact this is a global situation. It's a global issue. Uh, as investors, we're looking for the biggest market opportunities we can find, market opportunities that are growing. To me, this feels like just that, a growing market opportunity that is global in nature and, and really the opportunity just getting started. I, I did want to note here because I saw this in the earnings release and I just thought it was, it was one of those quotes that stood out to me is from Master Nardi, your distributor, the president and CEO, Paul Mastronardi, said, we want every, every app harvest tomato they can grow. We have high demand for U.S.-grown and pesticide-free produce already. And when you combine that with the taste, color, and freshness of the app harvest model on top of their social mission, it's driving our customers to ask for more. So, I mean, I think that kind of well, speaks for itself. The, the industry is at an inflection point. And if you look at the largest grocers in the U.S., you know, we're selling to Kroger, Walmart, Publix, um, we're selling to Wendy's. We've just been selling product for a matter of months. We're in that classic scenario of demand well exceeds supply. And if you look at the grocer end and you go, well, wait a second, why? So if we can, if I can sell you a grocer, a product at around the same price, what are we solving for? Uh, climate, look at the open fields in Mexico. You have climate disruption. Are you going to have drought? Is that drought going to impact yield and you don't end up being able to get product to the grocery store? You have food safety concerns. Look at how many times in the last few years you've had leafy greens yanked off store shelves. You've had uh, fast food chains. That, that is one of the biggest risks to a grocer is the, the paranoia and, and being terrified of where that product is being grown. You have labor concerns. My competition in Mexico, you, you have people getting paid $5 a day. That, that is not, you talk about sustainable. We're, we're feeding our country with people in Mexico who are making $5 a day. You have illegal chemical pesticides where the EPA cannot track the chemicals being used on these farms in Mexico. It's nearly impossible to have full transparency. So if I'm a grocer and I'm saying, you know, U.S. grown, in a controlled environment, we solve for all that. Now, our job is to make sure it's at or around the same price. Uh, you know, I'm one of those people growing up. I went to public schools here in Kentucky. I, I graduated from the University of Kentucky. You know, most people every day are just concerned about can they put food on the table. And, and our job at App Harvest, we need to we need to make sure that we're keeping prices uh, at a fair, uh, good place where we're at today that can be competitive. Uh, we want to be selling to 90% of America. We don't want to be selling just at high. I love, I know you're in the DC area. We love DC, but we don't want to just be selling to the high end restaurants in DC. We want to be at Wendy's. We want to be at Walmart. We want to be at Kroger. Uh, in our first month or two, we're already at all those outlets. So again, for us, it's about keeping our head down, growing a good fruit and vegetable. But if you look at all the problems in the agriculture system, uh, this industry really solves for most all those problems. 
Yeah, and I think I, I pay attention to my kids. I have I have sixteen uh, and and going on fifteen year old daughters. I watch them. I watch their friends. The things that they care about clearly. The younger generations coming up. Sustainability matters. Better food matters. I mean, all of this stuff that you just talked about really does matter. So I think that's going to be something that just continues to get into the public's mind. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that in just a sec. But I wanted to ask you before we do uh, the root AI acquisition. I mean, this was, I, I, I encourage anyone to go out there, Google Root AI, and go check out the videos of what some of this stuff does, because it is cutting edge technology. I don't think anybody thinks of farming from this perspective. How excited are you to bring that Root AI uh, company in, in their leadership into your family? It sounds like there's a lot of potential there. We, we could not be more excited. Um, and this is, again, so if you look at App Harvest, what are we doing? We're building large facilities to grow fruit and vegetables, running completely on recycled rainwater, using LED lights, software, sensors. But then what have we done with Root AI? We've been able, uh, very fortunate, a very talented team, MIT team out of Boston uh, that has a proven track record um, and great products that we've integrated them fully into the App Harvest team. And again, that's you know for their CEO, for their team to say, we have we can have more. This is to them not just about money. This is we can have more impact at scale with App Harvest and achieve our mission and achieve our goals by working together. We've been very fortunate and humbled uh, that the Root AI team is fully a part of the App Harvest team, uh, building robotics that's operating on AI, collecting data. So you know, visualize this da down the rows of our facility. Uh, we have a robot that's going taking thousands of photos. Of a, of, of a tomato plant. Again, tomatoes are a first crop, but by next year, strawberries and leafy greens. Going down, scanning the plant, pest, you know, is there a disease, ripeness? So not only you know, picking, pruning, harvesting, being able to actually get the tomato off the vine and ultimately shipped out, but also that predictive analytics that we can use. So instead of just being able to tell a grocer 24 hours in advance, here's the quality of product and here's when it'll be shipped with, with robotics going down the rows, scanning the plants, we'll, we'll be able to get to days out and weeks out of being able uh, to predict the yield, predict the quality, give more uh, information to the grocer on when that product's going to be coming. And, and again, if you look at the U.S. right now, 40%, this is a USDA statistic, nearly 40% of fresh fruit and vegetables end up in a landfill. And that's because of our inefficient systems in the supply chain. By being able to have you know, robotics and AI that can have more real-time information, we can better understand what, you know, what product are we going to have available, when's it going to be able to ship, and then we'll be able to give that data over to the grocer in more real-time. So uh, very excited about the root, the root AI transaction. And, and again, to some of your viewers that, that, that aren't, aren't, uh, aren't aware of root AI, just, just look them up and, and take a look at some of those videos. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I know you're busy. I don't want to keep you all day, but I really, before we wrap it up, I did want to talk to you a little bit about ESG, uh, environmental, sustainability, governance issues. I mean, this is becoming really, um, I think, a hot button topic for a lot of investors. I think rightly so. I think it's something, it's a nice evolution uh, in the investing world that, that we care more and more about it. It means transparency. It means uh, be, being a little bit more upfront uh, with your investors. You, you've taken a lot of steps early on in, in the development of your business to address, uh, to address a lot of, of those ESG concerns. Talk a little bit about 
what ESG means to you and some of the things that you've done, because corporately you set your business up uh, to, to, to be able to, to account for some of that, tr- that, that transparency and, and, uh, and whatnot. So you said you didn't want to talk the rest of the day about ESG, right? This is something I can, I can, uh, I'm very passionate about it. And yeah. we've been very fortunate that some of our investors and board members, uh, Fidelity was the largest investor in our pipe during the public process. Uh, Jeff Oban of Inclusive Capital, uh, our chief sustainability officer, Jackie Roberts, came to us from the Carlisle Group. Uh, we're all very serious about this. And, and part of it is you're, we're building companies not just for today and not just for the quarterly earnings call today. We're building this company for the next generation. Uh, and in order to do that, you have to have rigor. You have to judge yourself internally. Uh, we're a public benefit corporation uh, and we're B Corp certified. Uh, we're one of four companies that are publicly traded that have both of those uh, as a company. Uh, and, and so for us, it's we're looking at metrics. How can we be more sustainable? Uh, but to our investors, you know, the question, and I got this on the road show, well, I, I'm in this to make money. Like, great, you know, people, planet, okay, wonderful, but I'm trying to make money. And, and my answer to that is always sustainability is profitability. By us running on completely recycled rainwater, we, we, we have no water cost. All of our water is captured on our roof, put in a retention pond. You know, we filter it with no chemicals and we're able to run our facility. We pay every employee at App Harvest a living wage. Everybody has full health care. Uh, you know, I, I got asked on a call earlier today, well, have you had issues hiring people? No, we've had 8,000 people apply to work at the company and we've hired 500 people in the middle of a global pandemic. We're wow. investing in our workforce. And yes, maybe we're paying marginally more in the short term, but that workforce is the one that's beating production targets daily. It's the workforce that we're going to use to grow the organization. And, and I think, again, the you know, private markets get, get a very bad rap socially, uh, and the private markets can be a part of every solution we have uh, that we're seeing today. Uh, we don't, the private markets don't need to be a part of the problem, but we can't just be quarterly earning focused. And yes, today, you know, we, we met our quarterly earning projection. We hit our guidance. You know, but we're making the hard investments and spending the hard time to set an organization up that's going to thrive 10 and 20 years from now. Uh, and we need to all collectively have a much more longer term viewpoint on how we're building companies uh, that are going to be good for communities, uh, good for employees, uh, and, and return a good uh, return to our investors and shareholders. But you know, for us, it's not, it's not a back and forth. It's not Okay, well, I'm going to invest in an ESG company, and I'm going to sacrifice, you know, profitability. No, that that's that's not the conversation at all. ESG should be at the core of profitability, and it should be at the core of building a resilient company. And uh, we have a lot of work to do ahead of us over the years to come. But you know, being true to our ESG values, we think is a competitive advantage, uh, and going to make us more competitive in the years to come. And the last thing I would say to that is whether or not we want to do it or not. The world is changing and yeah, regulators yeah. Are, are pushing back. Consumers are pushing back. You mentioned your children. Uh, because people are co- becoming more and more aware uh, of where they get stuff. And for people that question how quickly a sector can transition, I have a lot of friends that worked in the coal industry. I'm sitting in the heart of coal country right now. Almost every company in the coal industry has gone bankrupt over the last 10 years. Yeah. And, and that's how quickly the energy industry shifted 
Uh, and again, if we look at agriculture, you know, there, there's a lot of, of, of trouble uh, in our current agriculture system. Uh, and we can use ESG metrics uh, to clean up our food supply uh, and create better food systems. And we can also do it uh, by, by returning investors to our shareholders. So it, it doesn't need to be one or the other. It needs to be both. Uh, and, and we're happy to be a bene public benefit corporation uh, and B Corp certified. So I guess you're saying, and I, th I think a lot of us would agree, you can have your cake and eat it too. I mean, this is the direction in which the world is going. So companies better get on board <laughs> or get out of the way. That's right. Well, listen, I mean, you said it on the call. You said it, we're a technology company working to disrupt agriculture. I love that passion. I love your long-term focus. I, I think it's clear that investors should really be excited for the future of ag tech. Um, we always talk about investing for the future because that's really what investing is all about. I, I, I like thinking about a future where app harvest and companies like you all uh, are, are helping uh, make our food supply, not only here domestically, but really around the world, uh, better, more reliable, more transparent. Jonathan, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to teach us more a little about App Harvest, to talk about all of the stuff that you're trying to accomplish there. Uh, I'm really excited to have you all uh, as a recommendation in our service, and, and hopefully uh, our members are too after talking with you today. I think they certainly will be. Well, thank you, and thank you for having me. And we got a lot of work to do here, but uh, I, can, I can assure you we're head down building and look forward to continue the conversation another time. And that's going to do it for us this week, folks. To learn more about App Harvest, you can visit appharvest.com. Remember, you can always reach out to us on Twitter at MFIndustryFocus or drop us an email at IndustryFocus at Fool.com. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Thanks, as always, to Tim Sparks for putting the show together for us. I'm Jason Moser. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.